podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Conspiracy theories, and is the second part of our shows on one of the biggest conspiracy theory in history. And potentially, if the truth were ever to come out, it would have the biggest impact worldwide. In part two, we will discuss various theories and evidence focusing on who was behind the heinous attacks back in 2001. Was it an inside job or was it really perpetrated by a group of Islamic terrorists with box cutters? And did they do so on the orders of the infamous Osama bin Laden? Or was there someone or something else a little more secretive behind the scenes pulling the strings? Join us and you decide as we try to understand what really happened on that fateful day on the 11th of September 2001. Hey guys, Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, a channel which features podcast series on a variety of subjects. We've got shows and series on mental health, football, films, TV, wrestling, music, and much more, including a brand new series on serial killers. We also have new guests each week. We So far, we've had footballers, uh, an X-Factor finalist, doctors, medical professionals, a music producer, uh, actors and actresses, journalists, podcasters, authors, and more. Over the coming months, we've got some fascinating shows coming up uh, with a horse racing blogger, one half of the popular Shake Them Ropes podcast, a writer, another former footballer, as well as shows on bipolar, DID and anxiety disorders, among others, plus the usual uh, weekly shows on conspiracy theories, fortnightly shows on serial killers and the monthly podcast on films and TV. So please check them out. Spread the word. Uh, as we speak to a wide range of guests to hear different views, different stories, and all about different subjects. To join me today as we go into part two of 9-11 and look at uh, some of the things behind the scenes and take the trip down the rabbit hole of paranoia and government secrecy is my co-host Reese. Welcome Reese. you right buddy? Yeah, it's all good. Good to be back mate, loving this. Yeah, so we're back for part two of uh, 9-11, which should be good. It was uh, quite a popular pop, 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 popular show, but uh, so see how part two does. So a little disclaimer before we get into the, the bits and bobs of it. Uh, before we head down the terrifying and weird roads to conspiracy theories, we want to point out that just because we discuss a particular theory doesn't mean we believe it to be true, or agree with the points of view, or in any way think that that's how it went down. We are simply going to discuss popular theories and the evidence presented by the people who championed them. So I'm losing my voice. I am from the heat. So I sound a bit uh, a bit crackly. So if I start sounding like my voice is breaking halfway through, you'll uh, you'll know why. Um, so uh, in episode nine, which was uh, part one of the 9-11 show or yeah, part one of the 9-11 show. We looked into the, the the actual attacks, the various conspiracy theories surrounding, uh, you know, the what actually happened and some uh, potential anom- anomalies, some seemingly strange occurrences. And that, that is, as we discussed, there's many, many coincidences, uh, things which frankly don't make any sense whatsoever. But uh, it was an interesting show, fun to talk about. Uh, but whilst it was fun and it's lighthearted, 
personally I find it really frustrating as I'm going through it and I'm just a bit like why why can't people see this why isn't this in the papers and on the news uh so yeah it does my head in a bit but there we go um we encourage all our viewers listeners to do their own research in all these conspiracy theories because I don't want people to take our words for it or like because we say one thing or we look at it from like devil's advocate and look at both sides of things people should trust their own eyes and if things don't add up you know look into it find out why they don't add up why does something not make sense to you because you won't find the answers in the newspapers or on the news or the radio because (laughs) they will only ever tell you what they want you to know or what they want you to think um so yeah. today we're gonna we look try for to yourself, it. guys. Because bottom line, yeah. if it looks like a duck and it sounds like a duck, it is a fucking duck. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in the, these part one and part two, so like the first show and this show, we're trying to ascertain whether these planes were hijacked by terrorists with box cutters. Did they do so on the orders of Bin Laden, or was there something more to it? Was someone controlling things behind the scenes? So uh, let's get stuck into it. So before we, uh, I think we discussed this briefly at the end of the last show. But before we go into the bits and bobs and all the different aspects of it, do you think that a load of uh, terrorists with basically Stanley knives hijacked a load of planes and then flew Boeing 747s or whatever, 767s into the Twin Towers just because basically some guy in a cave said and orchestrated it all. Do you think that's exactly what happened? Yes, I believe the planes were hijacked by certain people. Do I believe it was all orchestrated by a guy in a cave? Fuck no. Do I believe that planes took down the World Trade Center? Fuck no. <laughs> but I do believe is, the planes were hijacked by people. Yeah. It's just where, where they went after they were hijacked for me. But the, the other thing, which is I always find interesting, I like I don't know what the, the caves are like in Afghanistan and Saudi Arabia oh, and stuff. this time of the year, they used to take the family. Like... like all the caves I've been in, they haven't got things like internet and whatnot, you know, and satellite phones and all this type of jazz. Um, so, like, you know, I'd think to orchestrate a massive attack against, like, the most protected country in the Western world, or in the whole world, you'd, you'd probably need an internet connection to, you know, try Mate, and get... Have you figured this one out yet? Harry Potter lent him one of his owls. Mm-hmm. Do you know how fast them things can move? They were all over him, mate. Yeah, it's you kind of need things like schematics and plane, like security at airports and stuff, which I get. You know, there's there's um, you know there's ways around it, and you can send people to uh, to look at these things. But I mean, nine eleven proves an attack like this can be done uncoordinated. You know, it's proved it from a cave. <laughs> Hasn't proved he could do it. It's proved an attack of this magnitude could be orchestrated and coordinated. But like you say, no way on this fucking earth. It couldn't even be coordinated by somebody outside of America, I don't think, mate. Without someone or a, 
a fuckload of people on the inside. No way. You'd need someone a, quite a high up. has got the best air defence system on the planet. they got NORAD. It, but it doesn't matter if you've got NORAD, if they get told to stand down. No, but th- this is my it's point. Someone... Without someone on the inside, there's no way them planes would have hit them towers. No way. Is there? Impossible. No, it's not. And the other so thing that shows well, that there have to be someone high up as well. As well. It'd have to be a few people. Not one person could pull off this. No. And they must be that high up because no one's ever come forward. You've had a few people, but you know what I mean? There's never been a mass of people who've said, look, you know, we were all involved in this. Sorry. Let's hold our hands up now. Yeah, they... um, I think, like I said to you before about... And and they've got to be that powerful. (laughs) That their ego takes over, because mm-hmm. the only person they've ever made a scapegoat was Bin Laden, and they prepared for that. I mean, like remember that state the the radio guy which I brought up last time, who said like a couple of months before that they were built, they were putting him in place to make this major terrorist attack months before he was in the news constantly. Osama Bin Laden is the big threat, big threat. Osama they, Bin Laden. I, I think every day his name is there. I think this terrorist attack was the planning for it was started before or during the Gulf War. Well, they they put the things in place miles before because that that radio guy. I think I forget the date now. I haven't got it in front of me, but it was in the previous <laughs> show. He said it like a few months before on his radio show. Then it happened, and then like by the December, he'd been killed in like a police shootout, and it's like, you know, if he could see it before it happened there's something to it you know maybe it was even just a, a plan of this magnitude and the amount of people they'd need involved etc etc would have taken years to get right i seriously believe i think it was during the gulf war they realized they weren't going to achieve their full goals during the gulf war mm. and they knew it was going to come to a point where you know a stalemate basically they'd have to pull out and they thought, how can we get to these goals? Because you know, many power, they'll play the long game. Yeah, and they always want not, They always want an ongoing war. Because yeah. they've got all these trillion dollar contracts for weapons and defence and ta- tanks and army contracts. And the thing is... So they always want to be at war with somewhere. They always yeah. want to be... You look at who they're at war somewhere. with. Though. They're not going to go pick China or Russia or someone like that. No, where no. there's a chance they're going to ask what. And they're not going to go pick a country that's civilised, where they don't need the highest range of technologies and all new planes and things like that. Let's go to some of the most barren landscapes on the earth. You know, we'll go to Afghanistan, places like that. But this does mean we're going to need new machinery, new equipment, new vehicles, new planes, new helicopters. Yeah. You know, they they haven't picked... Like, even Africa, we've already got all the things that can penetrate jungles, etc., things like that. So they haven't gone back there. They've gone, right, let's go to countries that got the deepest, scariest cave systems around. Right, we need this, 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 this. We need new radars. We need ground-penetrating bombs. We need this. Come on. Yeah, and the contracts are massive, aren't they? For yeah. Those, you know, all those, all the and everyone who owns... 
there's all politicians who've got a husband, wife, brother, sister, mother, whatever, involved in these arms companies in some way or shape or form. You know, oh, absolutely, it's, mate. It's, it's just one big circus and we're just the audience forever. Right. So, seeing as you mentioned Russia, I just wanted to bring up something. I came across this article. Um, I'm trying to find the name of the place. I can't remember the name of what the art, you know, like the, the publication that it was in. Yeah. So, basically, the person who wrote the article was writing about um, like the Bush administration and the, the military complex in America. So yeah. what he said is, right, so at the, so at the moment, Russia uh, being accused of tampering with the elections and all this sort of shit, yeah? yeah? And they're comparing it to 9-11 and they're saying this and that, and oh, it's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And uh, can you imagine, right, that Russia perpetrated 9-11 uh, all the people who were involved in the official story as well. So let's go with the official story. All the people who were shown to have done it, taken part in it, planned it, came from Russia, were based in Russia. Their financing was from Russia. But then years later, your president was still on the TV calling them a close ally. Whereas... A lot of the planning and stuff took place in Saudi Arabia. They even killed a journalist, re you know, fairly recently. That still wasn't enough for them to sort of disavow them because they can. They don't want to do it. They don't want to get him. You know, they they don't want to have this big war with Saudi Arabia again. So they they still call them a close ally, whereas. Can you imagine, like, the, look at what they're doing with Russia now over supposed tampering and this type of stuff with the elections. Yeah, Saudi Arabia is still a close, still, you know, some sort of closer ally that they're taking pictures and smiling and trying to embrace and all this sort of shit. And they, you know, they even killed a bloody journalist on in one of their embassies. And they, that still wasn't enough for them to sort of you know, call them out and uh, challenge them on it. Yeah, Russia doing some stuff on Twitter with bots and stuff for that tampered with the elections. That did. It's, uh, it's it's a weird it's a weird weird world we live in because the th what I disliked about the press at the moment and journalists and yeah. media is they all journalists from every side of the political spectrum, they only call out people from the opposing side and they just completely ignore everything that's going on which aligns with their own political views. Whereas to me, journalists and political pundits and commentators, they should be impartial not saying they but can't have there a There ain't many independent ones about like they used to be, though, is there? You know, like you used and that's to. And that's what frustrates me is that there should be. A, to me, like growing up, I wanted to be a journalist when I was younger. Um, and to me, that was always about like you get get to the truth, no matter where it takes you, even if it takes you to some really uncomfortable places and places that you don't really want to go, and you go up against corporations and governments it's about getting the truth and reporting it to the people 
you know I used to love watching? Donald McIntyre. Yeah, and, and even I, I never, I know he never went worldwide on massive. He tried, but that guy would. It was never. I know it wasn't against corporations, things like that. But look at some of the crime families and things he spoke out against. Imagine oh, yeah. someone like that who's willing to speak out against the corporations and the big boys. Mm-hmm. But they also need yeah. they need protection and backing. Simple as that. Oh yeah. You know, they, they need the opposing sides on their side before they even thought of going to war with these big boys. And that's what I think as well, is like the politicians as well are the same in that if you look at like in the, in the UK at the moment, like the Tories and Labour, they all pretty much say the same stuff, same stuff. They just word it slightly different. There's no difference in what they're saying in terms of or if I get in, I'll do this, and I'll. Yeah. It's all the fucking same. All and, I want from a political party now, whoever leads our country, I don't care who it is. Just lube me before you fuck me. Yeah. I'm fed up of them going in dry. Sure. They just and then, mate. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Whatever happens, the 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 working class people, Joe Public, are the ones who get fucked over. Yeah. It's just the way it is, and people have become so used to that that they stopped questioning and stopped. Stop trying to call people, call the politicians out on it because they're just so used to it. And I think it's the same with like terror attacks. You're so used to seeing something, and if it's not something in this country, it's somewhere in like France or America. Or it's just always like a shooting. Like we spoke about the other week with what's going on in France and things. The reason we don't get told about all this, etc., etc. The reason we're kept as sheep, whatever you want to call it. They don't want an uprising in this country. Britain is a very powerful country. But it's not what it used to be. Now it's just, it's run by others. Mm. And they don't want that in this country. They don't want the political uprising. They don't want nothing like that. Yeah, they don't want the people... They let Scotland have their little shout about. And they broadcast it to the whole country how, you know, they won Scotland lost pretty much. And then Brexit come along and they kind of went, fuck. We, we we lost. Well, mate, look how much when just look how much they struggled when just people in London rioted. They just couldn't get it under control for days, yeah, weeks. You imagine what that would be like if it was like a large portion of the whole country. Yeah, they'd be f- fucking screwed. Totally. And I think that's what they're trying to avoid constantly at the moment because yeah. they're just pissing people off. Totally. So they just don't report stuff. All right. Anyway. Back to 9-11. Yeah, back to what we're so, doing. So let's, uh, let's go with, let's start with Bin Laden. Obviously, there's been a lot of allegations over the years that he's just a CIA guy who they basically, you know, he, he, they trained him, they trained his men. Um, he did, nine, supposedly did 9-11, and then they supposedly, uh, you know, blackballed him or whatever you want to call him after that. But they they put him in power, and they they uh, you know Al Qaeda was born from the CIA training them to fight the Soviet Union during the Soviet Afghan War. But it's, um, it's, pretty, it's Saddam Hussein all over again, isn't it? Come on, Saddam Hussein. The the difference is Saddam Hussein kept the Middle East in check. Bin Laden couldn't, and they just run wild. 
that was the difference but it makes me laugh because like people say oh so bin laden he's the bad guy he's this he's that but like the only reason bin laden had so many people behind him in al-qaeda and those those people had like military military training is because the cia trained them and it's like it's like your red-headed stepdaughter coming back to bite you in the ass like a love it's like, like teaching a love your child. dog to bite everyone and then when it bites you and you're like well what are you doing yeah yeah, I don't yeah. Want you to exactly. do that. everyone but me so like and that it is he is just as you know he's just a cs cia cia puppet he always was he's just uh, a scapegoat that's all he is and then yeah i, I think Personally, I think he died. Yeah, I think he died like around nine eleven, if not before it. Because if you look at some of the videos that yeah. they released after nine eleven, they look pretty. You know, they look quite fake. And in a couple of them, he looks like a different person dressed up to look like him. Um, I think they've done that because they the were trying to find the next Saddam Hussein, mate. They needed someone to keep the Middle East in check. Yeah, they needed a reason, mate. At the end of the day, like 9-11 and the 7-7 bombings in the UK came at the perfect time for the people who wanted to go out to the Middle East and invade and take the soldiers and the army and everything out there. They were the perfect timing. Now, did, as we did, discussed in the previous didn't show... Didn't they want to build a gas happened? line and a pipeline through, them, through the Middle East as well? Yeah, I think so. It's uh, They're always... It's always to do with the oil at the end of the day, deep down. But, like, I think, like I discussed with you, I think I can't remember if we discussed it on air or, or off air. Like, the 7 7 bombings, there's a lot wrong with that for me. Um, and I still haven't decided whether I want to go into it as deep as this. I, like, part of me really does. But, like, 9 11, people kind of accept that there's something dodgy about it. But I think you don't see as many people talking about the ones in uh, 7 7. So I'm still there, yeah. uh, still debating it. When I, I, encourage, I encourage everybody to look into it because there's a few really good documentaries on 7 7, which, well, if you watch them, if you say, like, someone's listening to this and watching this and they're thinking, oh, what's he on about 7 7? That's, you know, there's nothing dodgy about that. Go and watch some of the documentaries about it and you see some of the just ridiculous inconsistencies uh, that yet again a terror drill and just some things which don't make sense and then you're just thinking no surely they wouldn't and then you look into it more and it's like fucking hell they did so and like i say the timing was just perfect oh totally like just what they needed. Personally, I think this attack was first started and coordinated, and they went, right, we're going to take a plane and we're going to do this. We're going to create this terrorist attack. We can kickstart this war. And then I think as it went up the chain and they kind of went, right, we're going to need him to help us out and do this. We're going to need her to do that. As it went up the chain, these people went, well, if we're going to help you out do this, can you do this for us? So instead of it being just one plane crashing somewhere, they've gone, right, we need to take our World Trade Center 7. There's a few things in the Pentagon we need to do. We need a few planes here, guys. And I think it all escalated and snowballed. Mm. 
Because yes. why would they? Why would they want a plan to take four planes and do what they did, knowing one would be enough? You know, the, the more yeah. risk, the more chance it could fail. But it's like that sniper um, sniper attack a few years ago, where the guy who did the when he killed that. Twenty odd people, one or thirty people. One in Washington was with his son. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, and actually, yeah. he only wanted to kill one person. There was only one target, but he disguised it by killing loads of people. Yeah, and I think shooting other back they, of his car, wasn't he, in the boot? Yeah, and if they had only hit crashed into the, that part of the Pentagon where all that paperwork was being kept on the missing trillions of dollars, people would have been like, "Oh yeah." And you've got no footage of the plane hitting, and there's no pl- plane wreckage. My, like, I don't think that was the original plan. See, like I say, the original I think, thing. Yeah, I think that just fell into it as, nicely. I, I think it was just as simple as we're taking over a plane, and we're flying it into the World Trade Center. Or it might have been we're flying it into the Empire State Building or the Statue of Liberty or whatever it was. But then all these other people had to get involved for this plan to work, and they've gone. Well, hang on, we can use this to hide this or do this or take this out. And then mm. it just snowballed. Okay. Let's go back to Al-Qaeda just briefly then. So numerous whistleblowers and officials have surfaced over the years claiming that there's been like a deliberate effort from high-ranking officials to prevent investigations going past a certain level into Al-Qaeda, which would kind of coincide with the CIA having links there because they wouldn't want people to look into it too deeply. Um, in 2002, an FBI, FBI agent, Colleen Rowley, wrote to the uh, FBI director, Robert Mueller, or Mueller uh, describing her experience working with the Minneapolis FBI agents who had been tracking a suspected terrorist uh, I'm going to butcher this name now, uh, Zacharias Musai, uh, prior to the attacks, uh, because she described how the FBI headquarters in Washington had mishandled, they'd failed to take action on information which was being provided by the Minneapolis field office. Um, they'd sort of failed to issue a warrant for his his computer, despite there being, you know, quite a lot of problems uh, probable cause. Um, and then another a senator, uh, Chuck Grazley, had later said that if there'd been an application for a warrant, it would have gone forward. Agents would have found information in his belongings that linked to a major financer of the hijackings and things like that. Um, Rowley was also credited as a whistleblower, whistleblower and a jointly awarded the Time magazine Person of the Year for 2002. Uh, her testimony to the 9-11 Commission was omit- omitted from the final report. So this FBI agent wrote to the FBI director, said, told them what the failings were, told them what they could have discovered had they got that warrant for the computers, just so in really simple as a senator backed her up, it was proven that that would have been <clears throat> able to happen. She was so credible that she was voted, or she was jointly awarded the Time Magazine Person of the Year for 2002. But yet, the 9-11 Commission, which is supposedly like the be-all and end-all for the official story, 
and her testimony was completely omitted from the final report. That's, again, that's like one of those things where you look at it and that just says everything you need to know about what's wrong with the 9-11 commission and the official story. Because to me, that's something really vital that someone somewhere high up in the FBI has made sure that they haven't investigated that guy properly before the attacks take place, which then meant they weren't able to chase the money. They weren't able to stop it before it happened. Now, that's a, that's a big issue for me because that's not a CIA guy. That's not some shady black ops uh, sort of off books, like private contractor, whatever you want to call them. That's someone high up in the FBI. The FBI are the ones who investigate the CIA if they go rogue or well, you know, whoever it may be. And they're the ones somewhere, somewhere, someone, somewhere, someone there has put stop to that. And that's a big problem. That for me, see, it's, it's one of them. I think it's a red herring. Mm. I don't think this guy on his computer has anything to do with it. It's way too high up a, high up a chain for anyone to be even close to getting caught or even brought under the radar like him. I think it's just a red herring. They know enough people don't buy this story. So they thought, shit, man, we're going to have to come up with some other things and just keep their fuel going, but not enough that they can actually light that fire and burn it. Yeah, it doesn't quite blow it open, does it? It's no. like, uh, but it's enough that people will go, oh, hang on a minute. Why yeah, isn't that? Yeah, still spec it. And it keeps us... But people will focus on that and him and think, oh, I wonder why. And he's nothing to do with it. Mm. And it takes away the focus from what really happened and what's really going on. Like, um, I think it was six months before the World Trade Centers were purchased, weren't they, by Larry Silverstone? Larry Silverstone, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he's got a load of insurance out and everything on there about a year before. And I'm not sure of the exact figures. Say, I'm sure it was just under a hundred million he spent on him, and I'm sure he made about four and a half billion off the insurance. Yeah, I've got it for you. He um, so basically, what he did is a year before, he took out a new insurance policy which included uh, terrorist attacks, which some people would say is a bit suspect. Others would just say, well, it's the world we live in, so of course he's going to... Now they would say it's the world we live in. But was it? Back then, America didn't have terrorist attacks, mate. Simple as that. Not many, was it? Why the fuck is someone going to spend all that money on a terrorist attack? No advisor, unless they knew there was something dodgy, would say, we might have a terrorist attack here, we're in America. Not going to happen. So... It says um, it was reported that Larry Silverstein, Silverstein had insured the Twin Towers a year earlier uh, and it was more than coincidental that the insurance covered terrorist attacks. Further, Silverstein had numerous legal disputes that aimed to increase the payout by arguing that there were two separate attacks rather than one. Uh, uh, to a first approximation, this was successful and he managed to claim approximately $4.6 billion. 
Well, how much did he buy him for? Doesn't say in this bit. I've got. I, I got a funny feeling I, it was ninety six million. Sheesh. That is a huge. That sort of money can buy that sort of attack. Yeah, oh yeah. Like if God, someone I... went right, I got a billion pounds here, and I need to create a terrorist attack. I'm pretty sure someone could make that happen with a billion pound floating about. Mm. The other thing about Larry Silverstein was um, he was prior to the 9-11, he'd been taking clients there daily um, from July of 2001 uh, to dine and meet new tenants. He'd been having meetings there every day. Uh, It said on 9-11, he didn't go because he claimed his wife had a dermatologist appointment, um, which... You know, maybe she did, maybe she didn't. Yeah, but even if she did, a guy that high, he has his own drivers, things like that. She goes to her own appointments. He don't go to appointments with her. No way. Look back at every appointment that woman's been to. I'll guarantee he's never been to one. Yeah, especially, it's not like it's a like a pregnancy scan or something. Is yeah, it? it's or not like an like important one. Like a, or like a, I don't know, like a, cancer surgeon or something you know and she'll be in a lovely little private hospital and things there's no way to fucking gone if you're gonna come up with excuses better ones than that fake himself a car crash yeah. do you know what i mean black, it's black tire no not even that. If, how easy would it be for him to fake a car crash with him everyone would believe that yeah make it believable sometimes it seems like they don't even try don't they no, they should give me all this money and power. I could have blagged it better than him. Yeah, it's a weird I just don't one, think mate. I could handle the burden of knowing I've killed over 3,000 people, to yeah, be fair. That's the thing, and I don't know how yeah. they can... I don't, know, I don't know how they can live with him, mate, some of them. If I had to maybe like, step, sure, on, sure step some on a of few them ants have... to get it, I could do that, but killing people, no, I'm not down with that, mate. They, um, and that's why I think... Like, obviously, a lot of people have died since 9-11. I do sometimes wonder how many of them are people who just couldn't cope and have killed themselves, and then the people who've been involved in it have sort of just quietly swept. There's probably been more deaths. Like, you're spot on. There's probably been more deaths caused after 9-11 than during 9-11. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you say, the psychological effect it had... Imagine if you did have family members there, things like that. Mm. Imagine the effect this must have had on him is, it's not even worth, you can't even think about it properly. You can't put yourself in their position. How could you? And I think even if you imagine it, there's no way to imagine it unless you've been involved in something similar. Yeah, you can only empathise with someone when you've been in something similar. And I'll hold my hands, I've not even, nothing close to that. No. Imagine losing three thousand people, and a lot of them, you know, a lot of them trapped, jumping yeah. out of the building because they it was better. They thought it was a better choice to jump off. You know, Not just whatever. that. After it, the financial loss and the financial impact it would have had on families and generations to follow, and mm-hmm. all these and impacts that followed the, uh, it. And it's it's fucking crazy. And the police who saw some horrific things, yeah. but also the the dust which the people in the vicinity breathed in, 
caused uh, a lot of high uh, spike in, I think it was a spike in cancer or like lung cancer or something like that. How much more is going to pop out in another 20, 30 years from that? For the younger yeah. people who did it, you know. Like, l- look at our country. 80 years ago, asbestos was amazing. It was the best thing ever invented. Look where we are now. They can't rip it out of buildings quick enough. The knock-on effect of 9-11, it's, it's probably taken over 100,000 lives. And it's going to keep doing it. Oh, yeah. So, how, how many assassinations do you think there's been since 9-11 because of 9-11? I reckon there's been a few people who've killed themselves and then they've, like, altered the death the like death certificates to say, you know, heart attack, car crash, whatever. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a few who've been offed because they've sort of thought they're gonna talk or they're starting to buckle. Yeah. And they might blow the whistle. Definitely, mate. Hundred totally. <laughs> percent. there's too much evidence that points towards all these factors in there. Come on. Yeah. And what they and at the moment it's all like conspiracy theories and rumors and or oh, so and so says this. But if like a handful of people who had, you know, a high level involvement in it or witnessed certain things was to come out and they couldn't stop the story coming out because there was too many of them, they would screw, turn the country, turn the UK and America up on its head, mate. And that's why I said... on its head. But there's no way that enough people could get together to make it happen because once one person kind of... They'd all be too scared to put their thoughts to anyone else. Because mm. they're all so high up, they wouldn't know to go off them or bump them off or the family or whatever. You, you'd be shitting it. You, you know, you've got a family. Put yourself in this position. You've gone in a bit above your head with the government. You're involved in the 9-11 thing, inverted commas. And shit's at the fan now. You'd be scared to death for your family, wouldn't you? Yeah, and if you think, say like... Say I was involved, and you, I, and you were involved, and then I'm thinking, oh, do you know, I can't live with this. I'm going to blow the whistle. So I go to you as my friend, and I'm thinking, if I tell him, is he going to support me, or is he going to go back to the big wigs, and they, te- you know, tell him that I'm thinking about talking. So and then they- you could go home after that yeah. and think, I reckon he's going to go and talk, and then you yeah. can go talk yourself and drop me in it, and I'm not going to go oh, and yeah. talk. And that's the oh, thoughts that'll be going through these people's heads. It's drive you insane, wouldn't it? How can you protect your family from people like that? You can't. No, you cannot. And you will do whatever it takes to survive. And I mean this in the nicest possible way. If you were in over your head and you were involved, all these people will slate you for it not coming forward. But I will do whatever it takes to protect my family. Oh yeah, and don't get me wrong. Don't 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 forget that they would blackmail you to hell and back. Yeah, if they turn up at your door and when look, you say one more word, we're taking your children, and you know they've got the power and capability to do it. Oh yeah. Would you say another word? No. And I, I'm sorry, but for any parents out there who says they would and go, oh, but my kids want me to do the right thing, your kids wouldn't be alive to see the right thing. Yeah, and that's that's it, isn't it? That's what it comes down to, yeah. This is the hard <laughs> reality of it. So going back to the FBI, there's an F- FBI agent uh, whose name was John P. O'Neill, who was like a, their Al-Qaeda expert. Um, he warned 
of the sort of threat to Al to America from the Al Qaeda in uh, 2000, and then he retired, uh, sort of not mysteriously, but sort of out of the blue, into that mid to mid 2001. I bet he retired uh, richly. He well, he retired in just uh, mid mid 2001, citing repeated blocking of his investigations of Al Qaeda by FBI officials. After his retirement from the FBI. The World Trade Center hired him as chief of security. Can you guess what happened to him? <laughs> he started work on August 23rd, 2001. 9-11 rescue workers found his body in a staircase inside the lower tower, uh, south tower. And there you go. That's what happens to people who kick up too much of a fuss. Because all he did was try and get the word out that basically Al-Qaeda was a legitimate threat. Now, is it just coincidence that he suddenly retired, citing Again, people I think blocking his investigations, and then his body's, found, well, his body's found in the rubble, mate, is, that's a fact. Oh, yeah, so no, like, but I think his whole investigation, I think, was fed to him, mate. Because Al-Qaeda Al was anyway. not behind this. Yeah, they were a threat. But nowhere near this magnitude was Al-Qaeda a threat. America was a threat. I think it's difficult to... It's, it's hard to to separate the two being... Al-Qaeda is clearly... they If they had the capabilities, would have attacked America and the UK and blah 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 Just like some of the groups which are around now would. If they could, they would. But... You can't get away from the fact that Al-Qaeda was born of the CIA. It was a CIA group. Did they then grow into something more and break away from their sort of CIA links? And it was just that the CIA trained them and then they were no longer in control of them. Did they lose control of them? And then Al-Qaeda became a legitimate threat? Or was this guy's investigations... To him, it was real. He was investigating stuff. But was it all just the CIA or the, the military complex positioning bin Laden and the CIA ready for when they do these attacks so they can say straight away within an hour on the news, bin Laden that, did it? That is, it. I thought, 100%, mate. Like I say, this guy, his investigation, everything he found out and knew, he was fed. He was fed that information. He didn't find out the truth. He was fed yes, but that's why it's so difficult with Al-Qaeda, because you can't, it's difficult to know for definite whether, did you know, were they always right up until they sort of broke up? The, the were CIA. In, were the CIA still in control they, the of The CIA them? are one of the best in the world at doing what they do, in they? Let's be fair. Manipulating, oh, yeah. using. If they got an animal that's about to turn nasty... They put it down before they had a chance, unless they wanted it to turn nasty. Is that what this was? The, the, you know, was the whole thing like after you know after nine eleven? After a few years, Al Qaeda was pretty much gone, wasn't it? Yeah, and I know it's like it's morphed into other stuff now, but like within a couple of years, it was pretty much dead. You know, you weren't really hearing. You do hear of the odd one now and again, but generally, it's it's other stuff, other groups now. Whereas it's all ISIS now, isn't it? Yeah, previous to nine eleven, it was Al Qaeda. This, this, all over the world in Africa, in Ethiopia, and 
whatever. But so was this where did they lose control of them? The CIA lose control of them. So they thought, like you said, right, we've got to take these out now because we're no longer, you know, they're not doing what we're telling them to do anymore. And this, I'm not saying that that was the reason behind 9-11, but it was like the Pentagon thing where they destroyed <laughs> that one part of it, just fell nicely on their lap. We need to get rid of them. So we're going to go to war. So let's invade and we'll take them up. Yeah. And then they're no longer an issue. And when ISIS are no longer of use, they'll disappear and another terrorist faction will pop up. Yeah. And it's, well, mate, it's... They're, probably, they're probably already training the new group. Yeah. And they'll be fighting against ISIS. And when ISIS goes, those that group will step into the big bad enemy. And you know, it'll just repeat itself because they've always got to be at war with someone yeah. to keep getting these trillion dollar contracts. And so I'm not 100% on. sure on it, but I'm, I think there was only like four countries left in the world that didn't have a central bank. Every central bank is controlled ultimately by the Rothschilds. Yeah. And I'm pretty right. sure the four countries that didn't have one was Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan and Cuba. And strangely enough, look what's happened with them four countries and... Not what America has instigated, but with the rest of the world, them yeah. four countries. Yeah, they've been asked on board, don't they? Don't have a And that's what that. I mean about the things like 7 7 or bombings in other countries. You know, you, you wouldn't be surprised if the CIA or the military complex overall has got a hand in these different events all over the world. Because, like, before 7 7, the UK did not want to go to war. They didn't want to invade Afghanistan no. and Iraq and this. They didn't want to go after Bin Laden. They weren't. There was like people protesting on the streets. Uh, you know, no, don't go to war. Don't support America. Seven seven eight happens, and within hours, Tony Blair. I think it was Tony Blair was yeah on the TV. We must support America. We must come back with a strong response because, you know. They knew within hours of the the attack who had done it, why they'd done it, and what they were going to do in response. Now, if people get murdered, or there's a serial killer, or there's this, that, and the other, it takes months and months to investigate, collect evidence, collect, go through computers and emails and this and that and the other. But a terror attack, they know so often within an hour. And it's you not, not just that they got it on the TV. Like we just said then about Cuba, things like that, and you just hit the nail on the head, serial killers, things like that. There's always one person. And it always used to be one person. It was Castro. It was Saddam Hussein. There was always one person. And then when they wanted to take Castro out, there wasn't really terrorists about them, was there? So the CIA turned to the Mafia. And obviously that eventually, it all came out about that. Now, they can create a terrorist organisation and it'll pretty much never be traced back to anyone. Okay, they might have trained them or things, but they'll still have reasons why and how to get out of that. And then it's all on this organisation, not on one person, an organisation. And behind a terrorist attack, that can be a mask for anything they want to do. Anything at all on this world, any attack, they could just go terrorist. Yeah, so and so, and that for for many years they used to, their favorite thing was um, 
lone gunman on antidepressants. And what was the other one? There was another one as well. But it was always the same. And it was always in the news, like an hour after. Yeah. He's a loner. Loner, got no friends, isolated, takes antidepressants. Um, always a bit weird. Same shit, different day. So there's of, one of the rumours um, about 9-11 as well is that there was certain governments knew beforehand um, either about the full attack on what was going to happen or were just told steer clear um, of those areas. So it's been suggested Probably that some foreign government governments... in the world, at least one person in that government knew. Yeah, they'd have had an idea, you'd think. They, it's been suggested to. that foreign governments and intelligence agencies had foreknowledge of the attacks. So let's uh, let's have a look. If, at imagine some if someone like one a high-ranking officer from the Mossad was due to go to the World Trade Center that day or something. There's yeah. no way they're going to let some agent from that organization die in one of their things because they lose information would have come out then you know if say for argument's sake that happened Mossad would have looked into it and they'd have released information that would have proved america did it yeah america uh, covered their ass there wouldn't have been no no high-ranking person there to die who would have been a chance of looking into it further than they needed all the high-ranking people who died there were due to die there sorry yeah it's um so Let's start with, let's go through some of the countries who the people say that had foreknowledge. Um, So Israel is one of them. Uh, It was reported that the Mossad informed the FBI and the CIA in August of 2001 that there was as many as 200 terrorists slipped into the US planning a major assault on the US. Uh, The Mossad uh, allegedly cautioned the FBI that it had been picked up an indication of a large-scale target in the United States and that Americans should feel very vulnerable. In the New York Times and an Israeli paper uh, reported that four hours after the attack, the FBI had arrested five Israelis who had been filming the smoking skyline from a rooftop in a white van uh, in the parking uh, car park of an apartment building for puzzling behavior they were arrested for. They were charged with illegally residing in the United States, working without work permits, uh, and then they were basically sent home with no charge. Uh, The police found what they interpreted as cries of joy and mockery on the videos. So they also found $4,700 in cash, along with foreign passports, a box cutter, um, and that led to the detention of these occupants. The men were held in detention for two months, during which time they were subjected to interrogation, lie detectors, blah, 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 before they were then de- deported back to Israel. Uh, one of the men, Paul Kurzberg, refused to take the test for 10 weeks and then failed it. Uh, yeah, so like... I'm sure there was a thing. I can't remember if it was the Israelis. I'm going to see if I can see it now. Um, one of the countries, there, there's someone high up in there, either their intelligence agency or their government, was told by their intelligence to stay away from it. 
stay away from that area, Manhattan or that area of New York. It's um, they must have known. Come on. So, I suppose there's two ways to look at it. You've got the the one way. So, if you believe the if you say the official story is correct and it went down like it did, then it sounds like, for instance, Mossad had been warned in America that something was going on. So they had an inkling, at least. If you don't believe the official story, and like most people who don't believe the official story, kind of believe that it wasn't necessarily just an inside job, so to speak. Like when people say an inside job, I think people think, oh, it was like Dick Cheney and it was George Bush. But I believe like an inside job means that it was done by people within the government, but separate from the government. Yeah. Like I mean, the president thinks sector, with a no. Sector. Yeah. Oh, yeah the the president, no, they would have known, but they're not, they're not the ones coming up with these ideas. Well, they're not even. They're puppets as well. The, um, I can't remember who said it. Someone really famous said that, um, like one of the presidents said that the the private military complex in America is so powerful that you know they run things. Make no mistakes. People like the Rothschilds and yeah. the the black ops people. They're in charge. They oh, manipulate yeah. the world events to how they want you know the world to go. Just a big and, game to them. Yeah. They manipulate the stock market, they manipulate wars, they manipulate terror attacks to go and coincide with what they need to do. And that's a scary, scary thought that all these things that have happened over the years, whether it's JFK or whether it's 9-11 or 7-7 or, you know, whatever it may be, Cuba, they were all orchestrated by this sort of one group, if you like, and may not be the same. Everything comes from the Rothschilds. Yeah, the buck stops with them, no matter what it is on this order. Earth, it stops with them. Come on. Yeah. So another another country which supposedly knew uh, or had prior knowledge was France. On December fifth, two thousand and seven, the French authorities filed preliminary charges against Guillaume Dask, a reporter for the Daily Le Monde. Uh, for publishing state secrets related to the 9-11 hijackings. Dask's article on April 16th in Le Monde was titled September the 11th, The French Had Long Known, and it reported that the General Directorate of External Security had warned the US of a possible terrorist plot and involved Al-Qaeda hijacking planes and crashing them into buildings some eight months before 9-11. And the article contained expert excerpts of a 328-page classified report on Al-Qaeda activities, maps, graphics, and satellite photos. So, my response to that is, if Al-Qaeda was CIA-controlled, which is pretty well-known, just don't quite know to what degree, yeah? Yeah. Maybe France didn't know to the extent of what, like how how much it was controlled by the CIA. So what they do then is they're sending these reports with legitimate concerns. But when they're reaching the people in the American side, they're not paying any attention 
because they know what's coming they know what they're doing they know what they've got planned they knew that so they're not you know, they're not going to read they're going to bury them aren't they yeah they knew their reports were coming in before they come in and because they know what's coming and because they know that al-qaeda is their their product they're not going to pay attention you know those reports are just going to go to the bottom of the pile so yeah, to speak get buried just crack on with their plan um, so other countries, Afghanistan, um, moderate elements of the Taliban are reported to have given the USA advanced warning of the attacks. The BBC, BBC, fucking BBC, reports that um, Wakil Hamid, the Taliban's foreign minister, sent the USA an advanced warning of the attack following a tip-off from the leader of the Islamic movement of Uzbekistan. Uh, like Al-Qaeda, the Taliban had allowed the Islamic movement of East Pakistan to place yeah. terror camps and whatnot in Afghanistan. Um, Al-Qaeda was not stopped prior to the launch of the attacks. The USA would retaliate against Afghanistan. Um, so obviously they were trying to summon certain aspects or certain parts of Afghanistan's government and the Taliban were trying to get word out because they knew what was coming. If the attacks took place, they knew that Afghanistan was going to be the first place which was going to suffer. So, so of course, the moderate sort of people from that part of the world are going to be, if we've got to tell them, stop it, <coughs> because if not, they're going to come and bomb the shit out of us. They're going to, you know, they're going to invade. They're going to cause all sorts of problems didn't matter did not matter mate it's like i say this has been in play for years this plan years it must have you couldn't even organize something of this magnitude within five years i don't think they the amount of people they would have needed involved in this and it would have had to be pinpoint Accuracy planning. Yeah, I, I think um, I think this was the brainchild of this was born in the Gulf War. Yeah, I think around about that time, just after the um, then there was no such thing as terrorist attacks, was there? Really? Not really, like to a certain degree, but not in the same vein well, that what they was are the now. First terrorist attack you can remember hearing about. Like there was an attack on the World Trade Centers, but it was more like um, like anti-government and right-wing yeah. sort of attacks, wasn't it? Rather than Islamic attacks, this was the first uh, like proper terrorist of, attack. Terrorist attack, which was labelled as like Islamic jihadi type thing. Yeah, you had a couple of suicide bombers and things like that about. But it's like, and we had the IRA, but the IRA were never called terrorists until no, and like these, this was when they started using Muslims as the fall guy, yeah, and labeling everything as Islamic terrorists. The thing is, using a Muslim as a fall guy, you're not using a country as a fall guy, there's Muslims in every country on this planet, so the problems this causes right across the board. And the things they can do with this mask is unbelievable. Mm. And what they do is, um, as 
as I mentioned on nearly every show, is what Rich uh, Hall calls it in his documentaries, and he says the Brexit is the same, is he calls it a phony bone of contention in that everyone's so busy worrying about these terrorist attacks and, like, looking at Muslims funny on planes and stuff and and always turning communities against each other. While everyone's arguing about that and worrying about that, they're not looking at what they're doing over here and over here yeah. and what laws are they changing there and bringing in the Patriot Act and things like this. And that's what they do is they distract you with one thing while they're doing something else. Um, okay, so it's just a classic finish. trick of all time, isn't it? Distraction. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every magician uses it. Oh, yeah. So to finish off, I wanted to talk about, have you seen Fahrenheit 9-11? Yes. Yeah, the, the film by Michael Moore. Yeah, the first sort of thing that came out of Ireland, wasn't it? <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of Michael Moore. He, he, he's done some things I'd like, he's done some things I don't, and I think he's a bit of a dick, to be honest. But this was interesting because he blatantly called out George Bush and Fox News. He didn't hold back. He said in no uncertain terms, that Bush was put in place to oversee 9-11 and oversee a change of in law in the Patriot Act so that they didn't need, if you were suspected of terrorism, and even today in the UK as well, if you're suspected of terrorism, you are not entitled to a lawyer, you are not entitled to a phone call, and they just chuck you. In America, they chuck you in Gitmo, and that's it. You have no rights, Yeah, which is a frightening thing. Scary as hell, mate. Because, and, but, and people say, oh, well, that's right, because they're terrorists, they, you know, that's good. But it's not, mate, because the no. reason it's not, because if you say or do something they don't like, especially in the world we're in now, you say something on social media, which causes like a big storm, which the, someone doesn't like or the government doesn't like, they can whip you off the street, not tell your family, not tell your friends, not tell your work, and basically disappear you. It's like legalized kidnapping. Yeah. And all they have to say is you're suspected of having links to terrorism. That's it. They don't have to prove it. They don't have to provide any evidence of Hang on, do they they don't even have to say that, do they? They just, they don't have to comment at all, I don't think, do they? I think they, have to tell you, they I think they have to tell you that you're suspected of it. And that you are not entitled to a lawyer and all that type of no, stuff. No, they might tell you, but I mean, they don't have to tell your family or anything to them. Oh, no, 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 that's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's, they, they don't have to tell. They could take you off the street tomorrow, not say anything to your work, say anything to your family. It's basically legalized kidnapping. And all they would need to say to you is, we're arresting you on suspicion of links to terrorism. You've got no rights, basically. And then and they can hold the you crazy in depth. thing is, mate, like just me and you talking like this, if they wanted to, they could accuse us of it. Mm. Something as you know, simple as this. And you can see why people are so scared. Oh, yeah. People are scared to say anything. Scared to say anything. And that's why we always play devil's advocate, because we don't want to be disappeared. Yeah. So the movie begins um, by Michael Moore suggesting that friends and political allies of George Bush at Fox News, they tilted the election of 2000 by prematurely declaring him the winner. Uh, it then suggests the handling of the vote. Uh, there, were, there was a voting controversy in Florida 
and he says that it constituted electional fraud. Um, and then it, the film sort of segues into September 11 attacks. And Michael Moore says that Bush was informed of the first plane hitting the World Trade Center on his way to a school. He's then shown that famous video in it where he's sitting in the classroom yeah. with the children. And then he's told that the second plane has hit the World Trade Center and that the nation is under attack. And of course, that's been used, that clip, forever and ever. Um, Bush allows the students to have finished reading the book and then Michael Moore notes that he continued reading for nearly seven minutes afterwards, which I don't read. Like, I don't think that seven minutes makes him any worse or better as a person. But I don't think that's like some people cling to that person. It's like the terrible sort of rushed out. But like, you know, there's nothing he could have done personally. I get you there, but in my eyes, he's the man who's running that country. When he heard about that first plane, they should have all been heading straight back to the office to deal Uh, with it. I think the first plane, I think, if you remember, I seem to vaguely remember that when the first plane hit, it wasn't clear that it was a terrorist attack. It was, they weren't. They weren't saying on the news that a plane had been hijacked or something. I can't remember. Right. We didn't know that. Yeah, but they, they probably didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Yeah, of course. You know, um, for him to go to that school and read the book and that is it's wrong. Yeah, and I, and the other the other aspect of it is really is when Tuesday News terrorist attack on multiple levels, there'd been more than one plane hijacked, etc. They should have been whisking that the president out of the room and getting him somewhere safe, really, isn't they it? Would, that would have been the protocol instantly, mate. The protocol is, if there's a terrorist attack, and the president wished straight away... Yeah, they chuck him in the bunker, in the bunker, bunker. And it, did you know what it reminds me of? The fact that they didn't do that is when they stand down when uh, JFK gets shot. You know, the yeah. security guys, they stand back and they wait and wait and wait, and then when he's dead, then they move. But, yeah. Um... So then he more then goes on to discuss the complex relationships between the US government and the Bush family, which is long and tenuous. Um, and then between the Bin Laden family and the Bushes and the Saudi government and the Taliban and the Bushes, which span over three decades. Um, you know, they've got really strong lim- links to each other, the two families. And don't forget that George Bush Sr. was the head of the cia for years yeah before he was president and i'm not sure if he didn't he go back to the cia in some capacity after he finished Bound i'm to not 100 sure of that um michael moore states that the u.s government evacuated 24 members of the bin laden family on a secret flight shortly after the attacks without subjecting them to any form of interrogation Seems like something you would do if you just wanted to get them safely away. So there was no, you know, you don't want people like the FBI and stuff who are not in on it come asking awkward questions of the Bin Laden family. I, I can't see the FBI not at least someone there not being. Oh, yeah, there's, there's going to be some who know, but there's, then there's, there's also going to be some. Like I said, something of this magnitude, you couldn't have hid it from people like the FBI. Someone at the FBI has to hide it from themselves. It can't be everyone. So there's going to be people who know and people who don't. Like I said to Mossad, they would have known. 
we all know they're one of the best intelligence agencies on the planet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so then he moves on to examine George W. Bush's Air National Guard service record, which is one of the most interesting part of the film for me. Uh, he contends that Bush's uh, dry hole oil well attempts were partially funded by dun, 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 the Saudis and the Bin Laden family through an intermediary, intermediary of uh, James R. Barth, whose name is shown to have been blacked out from Bush's records. Uh, Michael Moore alleges that these conflicts of interest suggested the Bush administration do not serve the best interests of the American people. Shock horror. Uh, the movie continues by suggesting that there's several ulterior motives for the war in Afghanistan. Well, colour me shocked. And then, including a natural gas pipeline through Afghanistan into the Indian Sea. So, like, straight away, that's a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, isn't it? Yeah. About there being, them wanting to be invading Afghanistan, them wanting the gas pipeline, them having links to the Saudis. It's all there in this documentary, which would have been researched you know, not like me and you who've just had to scan through some documentaries and had a look at some research and read a bit about stuff. He had spent months, if not a year, over a year, you know, researching these, making sure they're kosher. He travelled the world, spoken to people in the know, involved in it. We haven't got the resources to do that. We got Google. Yeah. So all those things that we just talked about for the, like the last best part of an hour, he confirms. Listen to this bit. Uh, so he also alleges that the Bush administration introduced a climate of fear among the American population through the mass media. He describes the per per perpetrated uh, anti-terror efforts, including government infiltration, fucking hell, infiltration of pacifist groups and other uh, other political parties and anti-government events, and the signing of the USA Patriot Act. Jesus, I hate being right. <laughs> but it is one of those where you don't well, want to be did right. Did you look around to check your wife while they stood there before you said that then? <laughs> yeah, it's she was out via shot, yeah. But, but it is though, isn't it? It's like yeah. all the things that we've talked about, not just today, but like in previous shows on previous subjects about the media and inducing this climate of fear over terrorist attacks including uh like mi5 infiltrating people like the ira and infiltrating different groups like the brexit parties and all these things and then anti-fair and causing problems to keep that fear going You've got to keep that fear going and then they can slip in the patriot act so that they can legally kidnap you off the street um, and then the documentary turns to, sorry mate, I just lost my place there, uh, turns to the subject of the Iraq war, which is what you were uh, discussing, and it was comparing the lives of Iraqis before and after the invasion. Yeah. Um, the citizens of Iraq are portrayed as living happily prior to the country's invasion, which, you know, as I don't think anyone's naive enough to think that the US military of invasion made their lives any better. I know they tried to 
portray that with, oh, we got rid of Saddam Hussein, he was a dictator, but then they've left him in a hell of a state. You know, all these countries which they invade, and they might help people while they're there. I don't doubt that, especially the actual soldiers who were on the ground. I've got no doubt <laughs> that they help, help civilians and try and keep them safe. But when they move out of these countries, they leave them in a hell of a state. And in many yeah. cases, a worse state than what they were in before. Much worse. Um, he sort of goes into the stuff about the Iraq war and bits and pieces. He suggests that atrocities will occur in Iraq, shows footage, footage of supposedly uh, US soldiers abusing prisoners. Then later in the film, uh, Lila Lipscomb appears with her family after hearing the death of her son, Sergeant Michael Peterson, who was killed on the April the 2nd, 2003 uh, in Kabbalah. He was, uh, she was anguished and tearful, but she begins to question the whole purpose of the war, which I wish more people would do because it's so transparent why they want to go to these wars and invade these countries. And I wish more people, it's particularly military families who lose loved ones. I wish more people would try and, because they're the people who, those families are the people who Joe Public would listen to. If you've got a load of like- More than emotion. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And if you see someone, particularly when it's like, I know it sounds horrible, but like, if when it's like people, like just normal working class people, who you think, oh, that's just like so-and-so down the pub, or so-and-so who lives next door. Yeah. They're sent soldier. You know, we all know people who've served. And, like, I'm really grateful that the few people I know who've served, they've all come back, and they're generally all right, and they've gone on to have successful lives since coming back. But there's many, you know, there's millions of people who've served in these pointless wars who haven't come back or have come back and they are damaged physically and mentally, which they'll never get over. They'll never be the person they were before. No, and a lot of these films are just, uh, sorry, these wars, not films, you know, they're just pointless. They're they're, they're just to line their pockets. That's the most depressing thing. Every war is pointless. Yeah, nothing ever comes from it positive, does it? Nope. They will make it look like it has, but there might be one or two positives, but then negatives will totally 100% outweigh the positive. Yeah. Okay, so again, like it's, we've, we haven't really, we've, we've gone into some bits and pieces and, uh, you know, we can't break down every little bit and every little thing. We've tried to give as best we can um, in a condensed version. Um, so I was just going to finish by saying, to me, it's difficult to believe that an old, ma- old man in a cave orchestrated the biggest terror attack in history, killing thousands of people with his tools being a group of terrorists armed with box cutters. When you take into account the various links to different people, countries and organisations 
like we've just discussed with the Bin Ladens and the Bushes and the CIA and all this different stuff, is clear that there's more to it. It's clear that it's been cleverly and covertly covered up to the extent that the official story has been drilled into us constantly for 18 years through TV, radio, news, documentaries, BBC, Fox, CNN, and the like. There's a reason it's been reportedly force-fed to the masses and repeatedly force-fed to the masses. I'm not sure it's got anything to do with telling the people what really happened that day, but I'd like to think one day a politician or an army or CIA higher up will come clean and we'll all break loose and journalists will suddenly remember how to do their job properly, turning up leads, investigating who's behind the attacks, no matter how uncomfortable the answers may be for all of us. But I don't believe it will happen. That's what I hope. Anything to add, makes I hope that will happen, but... Unless it's someone from the very, very top, like someone from the Rothschild family or something like that who comes forward, it's never, ever going to happen, is it? Which is the harsh. People have already come out and spoke the truth, mate. But it's not the right people. No. Right, guys. No, well, I hope so. Hopefully, in my lifetime, will happen. But don't, don't hold my breath. No, you got to live in hope. I just want a better future for my kids, mate. Yeah, oh, don't we all, mate? We, uh, guys, we look into different conspiracy theory each week. Next week, I think we're going to look into uh, the Philadelphia experiment and the Monotok chair. So uh, that should be fun, fun, because that involves a bit of time travel and mind control experiments. Mm-hmm. So that should be a good one. Uh, we also do shows on serial killers each week. The next one to drop is focused on Dr. Harold Shipman. We drop three brand new shows each week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, with new guests every week. We've got a variety of shows on different subjects, discussing all sorts of things. It's really interesting and cool. Keep up to date with upcoming guests and subjects by following us on Twitter at acecast underscore nation. You can follow Reese on Twitter at Shaw Celtic. Uh, for, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com, acecast nation. Uh, all our shows are available in video on youtube.com slash C slash ace podcast nation, plus the audio versions. You'll find a Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, and others, including pod.co, ace-cast-nation. I'll put all the links in the description. Thank you for joining me, Reese. Another fun-filled show with wild theories. Uh, join us all next time, guys, for an all-new show on an all-new subject. Cheers, guys. Excellent. Cheers, mate. Remember, folks, don't have my face. Find the truth. Podcast Network.